Hello, this is Ray Brooks. Hey, this is Big Lou. That's double L-O-U. Hi, I'm Veronica Jackson. Hey, everybody, this is Adam Gusso. I'm Dee Tupar. Hey there, folks, this is Don Plum of the American Songster, slapping the dap with Jack Dapper. Hi, this is Guy Davis. Hi, I'm Shamika Copeland. Hey, I'm Ben Turner of Piedmont Blues. I'm here with Valerie Turner. And we are bluesing with Lamont Jack Burley. Hi, I'm Larry Griffin, and I keep it locked and loaded on Jack Dapper Blues. Yes, yes, yes. Namahalo also known as the New Amsterdam Musical Association, is a staple of the Harlem community, as it is with the history of African-American music, entertainment, and heritage. Considering its monumental contributions to Harlem and African-Americans, there are still some who have no idea about this diamond of legacy. On this episode of Jack Dapper Blues Podcast, Arthur Brown, a.k.a. King Kataki, who is the vice president of the historical New Amsterdam Musical Association, also known as Nama Harlem, gives us insight on this legacy of Nama Harlem as he shares the story of its creation and the importance of its existence. Entertainers of all types, black entertainers, pass these doors. Um, Bill Bojangles Robinson, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Yubi uh, Blake, who uh, produced the first Black uh, Broadway play, Shuffle Along. He and uh, his part his performing partner, Noble Sissel, were members. People like Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Jelly Roll Morton, and uh, the people who invented Bebop, Cap Calloway, uh, Louis Armstrong. All of the people you know through the history of jazz, gospel music, uh, soul music, passed through these doors. First time I entered the place was on on Monday, September 15th, 2003. I'll never forget the day because I was led there by a guy who lived in the streets. And when I got there, I could not believe what I saw. I've been there almost every Monday since then, the last 15 years. I'll never forget that night because I was led to the place by a guy who lived in the streets. And I was trying to get my music career moving. And he said, I know a place you can go to. He took me to Nama. I'd never heard of the new Amsterdam Musical Association before, had no idea what it was, had no idea it even existed. That night when I walked in, I saw a beautiful place, a beautiful group of musicians, a beautiful sound, a sound that I'd only heard before on my dad's old Duke Ellington records. And that sound pulled me in and I could not believe what I was seeing and hearing. And the band was playing this beautiful, beautiful sound that just said to me, come on in, sit down, and enjoy the music. And afterwards, I talked to one of the musicians. He was a piano player. He welcomed me in. He, he said, sit down. What brings you here? I said, well, I'm, a, I'm trying to get my music career together. And uh, I was brought here by a cat who uh, told me this was the place to come to. So we sat down and we talked a little bit and then he signed me up just, just the same way that I, I brought you in the organization. Albert was his name, a great piano player, uh, played all kinds of keyboards, even played the accordion. And, and he was just a wonderful piano player. He's retired now. He doesn't get around much anymore, but I check on him every once in a while. And uh, he said, well, listen, come on back. We, we're here every Monday. And they've been there every Monday since 1922 doing the open jam session. You can imagine 
the greats who came in there and jammed in that place, just like they jammed in Minton's, just like they jammed downtown, because as you know, they were jammed downtown first to do the gig, and then they come uptown and just party all night long and play music. And uh, I was introduced to the, uh, the fellow who was the president of the organization, a fellow by the name of John Johnson. He's gone now, but they, the old guys welcomed me in. They made me feel at home, and I've been there ever since. Um, I joined the organization the very next Monday, September 22nd, 2003. And in December of 2009, I was elected the vice president of the organization. I joined the board of directors, been with them ever since. Uh, we've had to deal with some situations because of uh, what's going on in Harlem with the gentrification and the takeover of Harlem block by block, building by building. And... Uh, when we took, when our, our board took over in um, January 2010, we were immediately confronted with a uh, situation where a tax lien was placed on our building on January of 2010. Our name was in the paper. Uh, we had to go downtown to the Department of Buildings and Department of Finance, and we had to clear that up because we're really not supposed to pay taxes. But what we had to do is we had to get our 501c3 not-for-profit status up to date, which we've done. Uh, we're in the process of getting our building landmarked so that uh, we'll be able to keep our building, preserve our building, and it won't be subject to the uh, gentrification procedures that other places have been subject to. As I'm sure you people well know now, uh, Lennox Lounge, which was near 125th Street and Lennox Avenue, was torn down last year. Just last week, there was a fire at the old St. Nick, Nick's Pub on uh, West 149th Street and St. Nicholas Avenue. And now the pub, which closed over seven years ago, now the inside of the place is just totally destroyed. That was a world-renowned place for jazz. Oludari, the great trumpeter, played there. I saw a fellow who recently recently has won two Grammy Awards, a vocalist by the name of Gregory Porter. I see him at St. Nick's Pub every Wednesday. And the fact that he's made it big now, just I, when I watch him and I say, I used to see that man in St. Nick's Pub. And I tell you, St. Nick's Pub was the place to be. What makes the New Amsterdam Musical Association important to me, it's important to keep it in the hands of people who care about music. And it's important to preserve the history. And preserving history is something that is embedded in the walls, stairs, stage, and events of Nama Harlem from their Monday night jams to their annual productions. Furthermore, the New Amsterdam Musical Association doesn't just preserve the history of our legendary musicians and entertainers that has graced their establishment. Nama Harlem has a history all of its own that is worthy to be preserved. Nama, which is an acronym for New Amsterdam Musical Association, is a organization based in New York, in Harlem, New York City, that was founded by Blacks who were not allowed to be in the Musicians' Union back in the uh, late 1800s and early 1900s. It was conceived in 1880, established in 1904, and incorporated as a labor union for Black musicians on January 9th, 1905, was formed by 12 orchestral string musicians who, as I said, did not were not allowed to be in the uh, white orchestras back then. They were not allowed to be in the labor union. And this was about the same time that the uh, 
Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters was founded by A. Philip Randolph. And five years before the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, founded by Joel Springer. So if you go back to the 1880s, we're talking about the fact that the music business was live performances and sheet music. This is before the recording industry began. And the way music was marketed was there was only two ways you could market music, and that was live performance and also by sheet music. You got to remember. This is before records, before radio, before television. And you got to remember, this is only uh, maybe one, two generations after the Civil War ended, in 1865, after slavery ended, because then we got taken through uh, Reconstruction. And what the United States of America did was, when slavery went out, they brought it back in another form. It was called Jim Crow, with oppressive laws that created the chain gang. Again, you look at the musical history, of not only Black America, the musical history of America. And, and it comes out in those songs, like uh, the blues that you do, through the songs of people like uh, Lead Belly, Howlin' Wolf, Robert Johnson, Sister Rosetta Tharp. All those songs were created by the conditions that, uh, that America was under. Now, if you take it back, take it back to there, and then you fast forward to uh, the 1900s, because the 1900s is when we started getting uh, transportation, first by trains, then the uh, early automobiles, uh, the first airplanes. And remember, we didn't have bridges. We didn't get radio until about the 1930s, I believe. So the only way news could travel was by word of mouth. Now, you had some early newspapers as well. Blacks had to, blacks had to uh, create their own newspapers, too. Because um, you spoke on how things are now. But anybody who thinks things are rough now needs to take a look at the way things were in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. We know after the emancipation, through the Reconstruction, and culminating with Jim Crow, named after a minstrel, the late 1800s were considered the time when most violent acts were perpetuated against African Americans. From vigilante lynchings, to public hangings by the courts. So how did the New Amsterdam get its footing during this era? Why did they take this step? And is it relevant today? They created their own labor union. In fact, music was looked at then as now as, as a profession that you had to have qualifications for. You just couldn't sing and dance your way in. You had to learn music, you had to know music, you had to know how to play instruments. And you had to be able to read music off a sheet because because sheet music was the only way that uh, music was distributed back then. So you couldn't be in the music business unless you could read. Those were requirements to get in the union, but unfortunately when black musicians in New York found themselves shut out of what was then Local 310, a fellow by the name of Pastor Penalva, who was a violinist, who was a uh, black Cuban-American, um, he led a group of 12 people who founded the New Amsterdam Musical Association and the first, the first headquarters was downtown, was in Midtown Manhattan on the east side, on um, East 53rd Street, between 5th and Madison Avenues. There were times, too, when they met in each other's residences. It was a discipline. It was taught in schools regularly. It was taught in clubs. It was taught at home. This, this is a time when every home had a piano. And anybody 
who wanted to learn music had to at very least become a competent piano player because the piano was used to teach theory. We operate as a uh, 501c3 not-for-profit charitable organization. We have three missions to preserve and promote the history of uh, music in America, other Black music, also to uh, make sure that people know about us pertaining to the present, and also to uh, teach the youth to ensure the future of music, because as you know, the uh, music has been taken out of the schools because of budget cuts and uh, other constraints. And there, there are situations have arose where school children do not have an opportunity to learn music in the school as it, as it used to be. So what we do is we, uh, we give lessons at a very affordable price. We have trained teachers who teach uh, voice, theory, uh, piano, and other instruments. And uh, our members strive to pass on the, great, the gift of music to uh, young people who have the gift and interest in developing themselves. In most cases, the schools don't even have music. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say a quick story. Um, in, in the early 1970s, when I was in junior high school, um, when I was in uh, the ninth grade, um, I was going to the uh, Inwood School, junior high school 52, up on uh, Dykeman Street and Broadway. They completely removed music from the curriculum. This was in 1971-1972 school year. And what they did, they hired temps. They hired temps from outside to teach music. We had a different music teacher every week. We, only, we had one hour every week on music. I remember it was on Thursdays. And every week there was a different teacher because they did not have a music teacher on the payroll. I would say that it's the same effect that happened when back in the days of uh, slavery, they took away our drums. Because back then, the drums was our way of communicating without words. When they realized that drums was our way of communicating, they took those away. And you fast forward to today, when uh, you, you go from, from then to the 1960s, we, we, we created some powerful music back then. Look at the forms of music we created from 1880 to now. Ragtime, swing, bebop, cat, the cakewalk, two-step, all the music that came out of New Orleans and out of the Delta that traveled up the Mississippi River all the way up and then found its way to New York. Then you go, you fast forward to jazz, gospel, blues, soul, funk, all to the New Jack Swing of the 1990s. And then we can't forget hip hop. What got done with hip hop was that they infiltrated hip hop. And, and turned it into something evil for the kids to send bad messages to the kids. But the biggest thing they did was take music out of the schools because that was our weapon of combat against segregation. Just joining hands and singing the song, We Shall Overcome. Look at how powerful that was. How about the original fight, The Power by the Isleys? How about Backstabbers by the OJs? The music of Gamble and Huff. They had to stop Gamble and Huff because Gamble and Huff in 1972, Philadelphia International, that music was even more powerful than Motown. See, music, music and art has always been our communications network. And as it pertains to uh, NAMA, the New Amsterdam Musical Association, it became part of the Harlem Renaissance in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And then other institutions were formed, such as the National Black Theater, the Harlem Arts Alliance, Dance Theater of Harlem, also the most important alliance 
Fanema was with the 369th Regiment Harlem Hellfighters who fought in World War I. Because through that alliance and through uh, Lieutenant Colonel James Reese Europe, who was the leader of that regiment during World War I, not only in combat, but also on music, he raised the profile of the new Amsterdam Musical Association. He took it from a labor union for Black musicians into a very important worldwide force. James Reese Europe took jazz around the world before Sidney Bechet and Louis Armstrong during the time of World War I from 1914 to 1919. There were many reasons African-American traditional musics evolved. One of the major causes was the many migrations of African-Americans across America. Yet, there was one local migration that's rarely talked about that is part of the African-American story, as well as directly connected to the New Amsterdam Musical Association and the Harlem Renaissance. If you trace the migration of Blacks in New York City, it starts at Wall Street in the 1880s, and those weren't even slaves. Those were the free Africans who sailed over here in the 1700s. Greenwich Village was founded by Blacks, Dutch people, and Native Americans. Then we slowly came uptown. Uh, we had Seneca Village, which was destroyed by the construction of Central Park. And we also had San Juan Hill. San Juan Hill was an all-Black neighborhood right around what's now 59th Street and 8th Avenue and Broadway, and what's now Columbus Circle. When the uh, Irish, Italians, and Jews left Harlem for the suburbs in the 1920s, the Black folks moved uptown, but what happened was the uh, people who owned Harlem tripled the rents. We had to get together and uh, do our own type of events in order to be, help each other pay the rent. Where the New Amsterdam Musical Association falls into this is, as I stated, um, their first headquarters was on um, East 53rd Street, near where the Museum of Modern Art is located today. Now, they had other places to meet, but... Fast forward to 1922, that's when the association brought the present location, which is at 107 West 130th Street. And I just recently found out the purchase price of, the, of that brownstone was $8,000. They purchased the building for $8,000, and later they took out, a, because they needed money to run, to keep the organization running, they took a second mortgage out on the building for $5,000. Our official birthday is January 9th, 1905. So we recently celebrated our 113th birthday as a incorporated organization. And uh, I should note also too that the Brownstone that we're presently headquartered in, uh, we own it. Our organization burnt the mortgage in 1947 and the building is exactly as it was constructed in 1910. It's true that the Cotton Club uh, blacks could not be customers. They could only be employees or performers. And they literally could only come in the back door. Also, let's note too that there was a time when uh, Blacks were not allowed in either the stage or the audience of the world-famous Apollo Theater until 1934. People think just because it was up north, it wasn't segregated, but it was very segregated. And the role that the New Amsterdam Musical Association played was, yes, the organization did provide lodging for traveling Black musicians who could not stay in regular hotels, provided services just such as uh, food, 
uh, lodging and uh, other services for traveling black musicians. Yes, that, that was a very big part of it. I want to mention some of the female musicians that stayed here. Belayda Snow was a big band leader back in the days of the big bands in the 1940s. Uh, Mary Lou Williams, Pearl Bailey, Bessie Smith, uh, Betty Carter, Moms Mabley. There were lots and lots of Black performers who passed through these doors. And when you come to this place, when you come to the place, you can feel the spirits of all the people that passed through. And it's not just from the pictures hanging on the walls. You can feel, you can feel what those days were like when you walk in the place. A lot of historical treasures of Harlem has been shut down. The neighborhood has changed. And some worry that the remaining legacy of places like Nama Harlem will fall victim to this regime change. Nama Harlem is an amazing place with a deep, rich history. Still, there is a need to make sure it is still standing years to come with the inclusion of the entire community. So that what we had can be shown to future generations because lately too many of our landmarks have been destroyed. The record shop that Bobby Robinson had, Bobby's Happy House over on Frederick 8th Avenue, they destroyed that legacy by tearing down the building. And, and he had owned that place since 1946, he used his GI Bill from fighting in World War II to build that place, a fellow by the name of uh, Bobby Robinson. And not only was it a record store, it was also a recording studio. All the way through the early, some early hip hop records were made there. Uh, records were made there, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a recording studio in the building. It's not the same one that was used previously. We, we upgraded a little bit. We do have a state of the art. Uh, recording studio in the uh, upper floors of the building, which is also where we do our music lessons. And uh, now there's a downstairs performance space where we do our uh, shows. We do uh, open mic on Monday nights from 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, we ask for a $5 donation. And uh, all musicians, vocalists, instrumentalists, and all artists are welcome. We also do spoken word. We do blues. We welcome not only music, but we welcome all forms of art. The story behind the Monday Night Jam is real simple. Um, this is where uh, musicians can meet and network and other artists can network. And uh, the public's welcome to come and participate. Uh, we, in we invite the audience to uh, sing songs if they want to. Uh, we got people in the audience who bring their instruments. And uh, what makes it fun is the unpredictability. It's not scripted. So, you know, and, and you never know who might show up. I'll tell you who showed up one Monday night. Uh, the great Barry Harris, the great pianist, showed up one night and he performed a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful composition. Barry Harris is one of the legendary pianists that came out of Detroit, along with uh, Hank Jones and Roland Hanna and Jerry Allen and Tommy Flanagan and there were just so many great pianists that came out of Detroit in that era. But I tell you, one of the biggest nights for me was when, if anybody remembers the lady who played Thelma on the Good Times TV show, I could not believe it. Bernadette Stannis and her husband, Kevin, showed up. Also, Lou Myers, and he was a, he's a tremendous piano player. I, I got a chance to perform with him a couple of times playing percussion. 
which uh, I should let everybody know I do sing and I play piano and I play percussion. And he had me uh, playing conga alongside him playing the piano. And I tell you, we, I don't want to brag, but we, we had the, we, we just had the audience on their feet dancing and it's a great time. And for the price for five bucks, it's not bad. You know, you, you get to come in, you get to have fun, you get to meet people, you get to network. And uh, the, that's one of the important things about Nama Harlem is that it's one of several places where you're able to network with other people and musicians and get yourself some opportunity. We have services for all ages. As I stated before, we have music lessons at a very affordable rate for people of all ages. We have classes in voice, theory, piano, guitar, horns, and uh, all kinds of other instruments. And we even have we have we even have an African drum class that we do on Tuesday nights. We also offer services for uh, rentals and events. Uh, we offer space for rehearsals. Uh, we offer space for meetings. We offer space for events. And uh, we just offer all kinds of musical services. And see now, of course, times have changed. The nation, at least on the surface, is not as segregated as it used to be. Now, I like to call it the Black organization because of its history and the, the people who founded it. However, let me emphasize that we welcome all ages, all uh, ethnicities. Everyone is welcome to come to our organization. We do not discriminate. We do recognize our history, but everybody's welcome to come. Bring yourself, bring your talent, have some fun. And what we really want to do is enable the community to bond together. We just want to have a place to have fun. That's all. A place to have fun, enjoy music, and uh, teach people about what made Harlem great, the people that made Harlem great, the places that made Harlem great. Anyone who wants information about the services we offer can go to our official website, which is on Facebook under NAMA Harlem, New Amsterdam Musical Association, or they can connect with me directly by dialing 212-658-1636. That's 212-658-1636. You can contact me, Arthur Brown, the vice president of the organization, directly, and I'll be very happy to answer any questions that you have about our organization. Be sure to follow Nama Harlem on all its social media platforms. And definitely make sure you make it out to their legendary Monday night open mic jam. This is Lamont Jack Purley, host and producer of Jack Dapper Blues. Be sure to subscribe to our email letter, the newsletter via our Jack Dapper Blues website. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes Radio. Till next time, you're going to learn them blues. Jack Dapper Blues Public Media is a listener-supported platform. For more information on funding, underwriting, and sponsorship opportunities, please email Lamont Jack Pearly at racefilmmusic.com or Denise Pearly at racefilmmusic.com. All rights reserved to Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation.